Hello and welcome to the Lead Strategies podcast. This is your host, Joy Myers from Lead Generation SEOServices.com. And with me today is Mr. Jeremy Brandt. Is it, did I say Brandt, right? That's right. You got it. That's right. That's right. Um, he's out in Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, CashOffer.com, I think, is the website, right? And we yeah, we've got a couple little. of different companies. Uh, WeBuyHouses.com is probably the most well-known. Um, yep. 1-800-CASH-OFFER is another one, certainly. And Fast Home Offer is our lead gen business. Very cool. Very cool. So we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end, too, for, for those that are going to be interested in some of the information. But I want to dig into today's news um, that the we got the three-quarter uh, rate hike. And um, you know, I know it doesn't directly affect the mortgage rates, but it indirectly affects the mortgage rates. So just kind of give me your thoughts on on that coming out. Yeah, I mean, it, it pretty quickly affects mortgage rates. And, you know, most people that provide mortgages are looking at where the rates are going and kind of trying to get in front of them uh, and raising rates uh, in anticipation of, of some of these increases. Um, you know, certainly it slows the overall uh, housing market down. Um, you know, every time there's a percentage increase in the rates, uh, somebody can afford less of a house. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to um, not buy a house. It's just the the value, the dollar value of the house they can buy goes down uh, by a certain amount for every percent increase, and um, which slows the economy down, which is, I think, what they're trying to do a little bit um, with um, some of these rate changes. So um, in the distressed property space where we are, it doesn't have a huge uh, impact. Uh, you know, people still have uh, life situations where they need to sell their house quick, or they've got a house that needs a lot of repairs that they've inherited, uh, they still don't want to deal with it. So the interest rates don't impact that in a real major way. Uh, the biggest thing for investors usually with interest rate increases is uh, if it takes a little bit longer to sell a house after they've fixed it up, um, that can slow their business down. You know, there's holding costs for investors uh, in, uh, in residential real estate investing. And so that's, um, you know, that's kind of what we see. We, um, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. We were uh, through the boom and bust of, um, you know, 2008 mm -hmm. uh, and even some of the earlier cycles. And so, you know, I think we're pretty well prepared for it. Don't think it's going to be near the the level of um, uh, problems that we had in 2008. It's a very different thing going on in the economy right now than, than then. But I think every business, it's really smart for them to think about how to manage through the ups and downs uh, of their business and in the economy, the cycles, because they're going to happen. It's, it's inevitable that there's up and down in tech, in real estate, in every industry that you're in. And um, I've always learned a lot more about our business in the down cycles than in the up cycles. You know, everybody mm -hmm. can win in the up cycle. It's really easy. If you if you can throw a dart at a wall and hit a stock that's going up, doesn't make you a great stock picker. Uh, <laughs> and same in business. If the market's going up like crazy, everybody's doing really well. But your you know your metal as a business owner uh, and as an entrepreneur is tested in the down cycles and the decisions that you make and what you do. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's let's give um, go into your background a little bit. So you mentioned that you've been through a couple down cycles. So when did you start in real estate, Jeremy? I started investing in real estate in 2000. Uh, well, really 1999. Mm -hmm. I got involved in real estate investing. I was in uh, the tech world uh, doing um, network engineering and a lot of kind of things with dot com startups uh, in the mm -hmm. late 90s, which was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I transitioned into um, house flipping uh, here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I was buying and selling uh, houses really all over Texas. Really fell in love with that. It was a lot of fun, really enjoyed it. Um, but my passion really was technology. And so took um, the real estate uh, investing experience that I had and combined that with all the technology experience that I had. And we were really one of the first companies on the internet marketing towards uh, distress home sales. So there was a couple of companies that were coming online. You know, Zillow wasn't around yet. 
Um, uh, there's a couple of real estate companies that were starting to put up web pages, but nobody was really marketing towards the the uh, motivated home seller space, which is what we specialize in. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were one of the first people doing that and just had people from all over the country contacting us to sell their house and um, uh, bought all the houses that we could in Texas. Uh, and then started thinking about what do we do with all these houses in Florida and California mm-hmm. and Oregon and Washington. And um, so started calling investors and basically offering to sell them leads, um, connect them with the home sellers contacting us. Uh, and that was very successful. Uh, so within a year or two, uh, we really transitioned entirely out of buying and selling houses as a company and mm-hmm. moved into um, providing lead generation and marketing services for real estate investors. So now we probably have one of the largest lead gen companies in the U.S. that um, generates motivated seller leads for investors and sells those leads to investors on a paper lead basis. So we don't, we're not an agency. We don't provide agency services. We don't do SEO. We don't do um, paid search on behalf of clients. Um, we do all of that in-house and then we sell those leads to uh, real estate investors and agents all over the country. And you mentioned We Buy Houses. So that was you guys? You guys started that? Yeah, WeBuyHouses.com is a little bit different business. That's not so much lead gen. That's similar to um, it's what's called a brand license. So we license the brand out to investors all over the mm-hmm. country. Uh, we have locally owned and operated offices that um, are branded WeBuyHouses.com in their local market. Uh, they're buying and selling houses under the WeBuyHouses.com brand but they're locally owned and operated and running their own business. We're not doing it corporately like a, an open door an offer pad or, you know, Zillow offers before they uh, shut that down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that uh, we've had for, I think about 12 years um, really have seen it grown like crazy over the last three or four years. We're in about 120 or so cities across the United States, major markets all over the U S so pretty much every major city in the United States, we have a local office in that's buying, renovating and selling or, a lot more now Airbnb or doing long-term rentals with the properties. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, and then looking at some of the strategies that you said you've been through some of the down cycles and things like that. And so what is, with what you've seen, what is your, you guys' game plan? I mean, you don't have to go into details, details, but just kind of general sense, what you guys' game plan going into this, you know, what we're thinking is going into a recession. Yeah, I mean, look, I think um, there's no um, there's no magic sauce to what companies should do in a recession. We got you know, we don't have we don't have a secret plan that nobody else knows that's gonna that's going to uh, make us way more successful than everybody else. I think um, when you're going into a slower period in your business, you can call it a recession. Um, you can call it something else, and sometimes it's economy wide, and sometimes it's just industry specific. Um, but uh, in 08, when we went through that, the things that I really learned uh, that have changed us a lot for how we operate now are um, keep, you know, really um, be careful with your cash, hoard your cash if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're going into an uncertain time, the more capital that you have, it allows you to be a lot more nimble. In 2008, uh, every single one of our competitors uh, went out of business. Uh, so we were in this lead gen world. Uh, when times got tough, everybody just closed up shop and went and did something else. Uh, we were able to uh, downsize significantly, keep the doors open, keep going in a much smaller version of ourselves. But what that allowed a couple years later, when the market started to come back, we were the only game in town for a couple of years before mm-hmm. either the competitors started to come back or people started new companies to come in and and uh, compete. And that gave us a really strong um, runway to grow the business before competition got really fierce in our area. And so, you know, one of the things I tell business owners all the time is look at uh, down cycles as a huge opportunity. If you can optimize your business, you can cut expenses, you can make sure that you're running lean and mean, you're not, you don't have too many employees for the amount of work to be done. uh, And you can run your business very efficiently. 
a down cycle is going to um, put out of business uh, those competitors that can't do that or don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that can be really positive for the competition in your industry. It gives you a little bit more breathing room and a little bit more runway when the, when the economy starts to come back of being you know, one of the only players in your industry uh, until competition heats up again. So uh, although they're, all, they're always painful, I like to look at them as a really big opportunity. And, um, and you know, the, the, throughout the years, uh, oftentimes the most wealth has been made in down cycles. So in up cycles, again, everybody's, you know, everything's going up in, a, in an up cycle. Uh, it's hard to lose money. Uh, you know, everybody's a genius for buying Bitcoin. Everybody's a genius for buying Apple, right? Um, but in the down cycle, you have to make tougher decisions. But if you're nimble and you're not scared in the down cycle, that's where the real wealth is made for most people. They can, they can make decisions and either, you know, buy real estate or buy companies, um, you know, companies are distressed assets, just like real estate's a distressed asset. Um, if, uh, if people are in different industries thinking about buying your competitors, if your competitors are not run as efficiently as you are, uh, you know, and a year from now might be a great opportunity to start buying the competitors in your industry because, um, you know, they're, they're not making any money and they're having a tough time and they're thinking about doing something else. Uh, so there's a real big opportunity to take advantage of, of the down cycle so that, you know, you can ride the wave on the, on the way back up a lot better. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the strategies you guys used when you were spreading out was more that acquisition business acquisition? So taking, or, or just more of the fr- franchisee licensing type of thing. Yeah, we're not, uh, we're not a franchise <clears throat> or, um, uh, we're a brand license franchise franchises have to follow a certain set of rules right. and we didn't want to have that much control, you know, real estate investors are kind of mavericks. They don't like to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to have a lot looser, um, although very strong relationship and very clear rules around ethics and these types of things, but, um, a looser hold on our, on our um, network of licensees so that they were free to run the business, how they wanted to, they didn't have to be a rental company. They didn't have to be a fix and flip company. They mm-hmm. could do a lot of different things in the industry. And we would support them on the back end with the brand and the marketing and all of the tools that come with that. Um, uh, we've done a lot of acquisitions over the years. Uh, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I love the art of the deal. I love mm-hmm. buying and selling businesses. It's a lot of fun. I love mm-hmm. the negotiation process. Uh, so we've certainly done that over the years um, and really enjoyed it and um, and been able to buy companies that were in the down cycle that, you know, people were coming out of four years of losing money in the business. They were just tired of it. And they had some great assets, but not the energy or time to um, uh, ride out, you know, the next five years to get them back to where they needed to be. And, and mm-hmm. so we were able to um, buy some of those things and, and, uh, and it's been very good for our business. Uh, the local offices that we have around the country, we don't acquire real estate investing companies. So most of what we buy is technology companies um, that have real estate related um, uh, marketing or websites or trademarks or different assets related to real estate that we can bring into and fold into our business. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our local offices, like I said, are independently operated. So we don't acquire home buying companies, but we have hundreds of those companies that are part of our network that are operating under our brand um, and, um, and buying houses in local markets all over the U S. Very cool. Yeah. That that's important to know who, if you're going to be acquiring businesses, what kind of businesses you're going to acquire and, and like your, your extensive background in tech, um, you know, that's a, that's a smart move. Um, because I think, um, I think, and it depends around the country. I talked to a lot of real estate people and you got people in Arkansas are, are not going to quite be as, as savvy on the marketing side as like people in Southern California, where you got mm-hmm. production companies and you know, things like that. And so it's, yeah, I think that's really smart that you're strategic and it's not just buying, like you said, a buy or sell agency, um, but it really looking into what, what's your goal, you know, what's your goal in doing that. Awesome. So let's move into the marketing side. So I know marketing changes 
depending on the market cycles and things like that. How has your marketing changed down versus up? Have you hit different channels? Have you, you know, how has that looked? Yeah. You guys? Well, I mean, we're a, you know, we're a pretty big national company. So we market in just about every channel. We do uh, national TV commercials, radio spots, um, certainly all digital platforms uh, we're marketing on uh, Google, Bing, um, social media, uh, that type of a thing. Uh, we're even in all the yellow pages in the United States. So we do a lot of old school kind of traditional marketing. Um, certainly that's dwindling a lot. You know, the volume goes down over time, but um, there's still a lot of value in some of those channels. Uh, some of the biggest things that changes that we've seen over the years, um, you know, one, just the cost, um, you know, being a tech guy, I was the guy that ran the pay-per-click campaigns mm. in 2002 for our um, lead generation company. And, you know, it was three cents a click uh, mm. to get clicks back then. And, and uh, maybe, you know, 40 cents to get a conversion or less. Uh, and so, you know, it was just an amazing time to get a huge amount of value because the rest of the world hadn't figured out you know, the value of these search engines yet and, and started bidding against, you know, now we'll pay $30 for a click on some of these yeah. <laughs> uh, or more on some of these real estate related keywords that are hyper competitive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in a lot of markets, you just have people with really deep pockets and um, not a ton of marketing savvy. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that puts c companies in a, in a difficult position like ours sometimes where we have to make money. Um, somebody that's got a million dollars to spend in advertising and hasn't quite figured out they're losing money on their advertising yet is going to spend that million dollars and we just have to sit back a little bit, let them go through it because uh, you know, the, the joke about auctions, which online marketing is the joke about auctions. If you win is you're the guy that thought the thing was worth more than anybody else in the world thought it was worth. And maybe that's not a good thing. And so, um, and so, so, you know, we found ourselves in many cases having to sit on the sidelines and, you know, not being able to be the number one bid position in Google search for our keywords um, because there's, uh, you know, they call it dumb money, but there's people pouring money into something that we know they're going to lose money on it. It's not going to be a profitable venture for them, but they have to go test and figure it out. Or sometimes they don't test and they just don't realize how much money they're pouring down the drain. Hmm. So um, there's been a lot of that come into the, the digital marketing world. Uh, and then I think the other big struggle over the last um, couple of years has been, um, although it's a good thing, uh, generally it's, it makes it more difficult for us is the focus on privacy and not being able to target people mm. at as granular a level as you used to be able to. Um, and certainly, you know, I'm a huge privacy advocate and, um, yeah. and, you know, we don't want big companies having our data, but, you know, examples of, um, you know, we know the neighborhoods where uh, there are good houses for real estate investors to buy, right. They're usually older neighborhoods with a lot of houses that um, are in disrepair. Mm -hmm. uh, well, due to privacy concerns, now, on most of the digital platforms, you can't target a zip code. You have to target a much larger area. Well, that makes our advertising much less efficient because we know the zip code where these houses are that we want to buy. Um, I can direct mail to them. I can have somebody walk a neighborhood. Uh, mm -hmm. But now you can't market to them digitally, which is should which be is the most easier. targeted and, and most direct form of advertising. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's artificial, right? It's only because of privacy concerns. It's not because of any technical limitation. Mm -hmm. uh, but that forces us to advertise at a city or a county level much less efficient. We're advertising, you know, our ad is going to be seen by somebody with a $2 million mansion that we're never going to buy, mm. but we have to advertise to that person to get to the other people that we want. So mm. um, it'll be interesting to see how the, um, the privacy concerns play out with Apple and with Google and with Facebook, these different companies trying to balance um, creating efficiency for advertisers and letting them target the people that are most suited for their products versus the concerns of the consumer of which I'm one as well. 
uh, that we don't want other companies knowing everything about our lives and being able to target us so closely that it becomes creepy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And it's funny when you were saying that about the the prices going up and kind of the dumb money thing. And I remember in two, so I got into real estate about 2005, I got my real estate license, uh, worked for an investing company that was you know, distressed properties, you know, foreclosures, all that kind of stuff. And um, it was as we were approaching more to 2008, you know, 2006, seven, things were really hot. Um, and out at the auction, Buying, buying housing cash, I'd go out there as kind of a, a proxy for, for the, the office. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they were bidding these houses up. We, I mean, we had comps and everything. And they, I mean, there was up to, there was maybe 5% left. And it was almost like they were doing it because they figure, well, when we fix it up and it's going to appraise, you know, it's going to keep going up. And which it did, you know, 2008, that's when everything popped. Right. But it was just interesting because there was more and more people. It was just growing, growing, growing that were out there and were bidding, like you said, the the auction, right? <laughs> the guy, the guy that ends up winning thinks that he's smarter than the rest of them or getting the best price than everybody else. Um, and and so yeah, with with the advertising, same thing. I, with you, uh, I was really working a hitting uh, hitting performance lab, baseball hitting site, uh, Facebook advertising. I got in four or five years, I got over a hundred thousand emails in that little niche, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it just, it flipped and they just started the, the amount per cost. I mean, you're right. Three, four cents a click. Uh, I was getting 40 cents uh, per email and then I would send them through a sales funnel and all that kind of stuff. And it was great. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden things just turned, but, um, I agree with you. Yeah. You got a million dollar budgets, marketing budgets that they, they dumb money. They're just throwing it out there and, and it's making it worse. They're, they're bidding up all the the uh, auction house prices for the rest and nobody wins, you know, it's, yeah. It's well, and to go back to your original point about what do you do in a down economy? Um, that's one of the positives that I see of a little bit of a shift in the real estate market is that um, all of the, um, uh, all of the uh, kind of weekend, deep pocketed weekend warrior um, people that invest in real estate generally when the market starts to get a little bit tougher, they go find something else that's easier to do, right? It's been so easy to make money in real estate over the last four or five years. Um, you just had everybody getting, getting into it, kind of like the gold rush and very mm -hmm. similar to 2005, 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. It just became so easy to make money in real estate. You know, there was seminars every other day, every yeah. hotel room had somebody pitching a, a real estate course. And, um, but when 08 happened, everybody that wasn't, you know, a full-time professional person that this was their job every day, they didn't have any other income. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, th this was their business. And they were running it like a business. Um, they just kind of disappeared and went and got jobs or went and did some other kind of marketing thing or did some, uh, some online stuff. And so we look forward to that happening in a lot of ways, because it kind of clears the field of the people that are mucking up the uh, advertising system and the efficient machine that is a is an auction based advertising system but it's not efficient if you've got somebody in there that kind of doesn't know the rules right mm -hmm. it's a, you know if you play poker um you like to play poker with people that are good poker players because it challenges you and everybody kind of knows how it works mm -hmm. if you play poker with somebody that doesn't know how to play poker at all at all it's sometimes almost more difficult than playing with an experienced player because they're just going to do things that no experienced player would ever do uh because they just don't know any better right. uh, and so you you almost can't predict uh, as much what they're, what's going to happen because of their naivete. Uh, right. And so we see that a lot in, in advertising online that a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. And so they do, you know, they'll bid, uh, Oh, sure. I'll pay a hundred dollars a click. That's a click as a lead, right? They just, they don't know a lot of these things, but they've got a $10,000 a month marketing budget for, you know, San Diego. And they're just going to spend, spend, spend uh, until they run out of money um, uh, or get lucky and buy a house. And if they buy a house and make a lot of money, then they'll keep going and keep going. Um, 
but it's it's highly inefficient because they haven't done all the work to, to optimize it. And so that to me is one of the pluses for for our type of company uh, in a slowdown is that it kind of clears the deck a little bit of, of um, people that are just kind of pouring money into this um, because it's so easy to make money and, and they go look at something else for a little bit. That's a good point. A really good point. Yeah, the down markets are, some people see it as, as a bad deal, but it's a great opportunity in, in many ways if you're just a little bit more creative about it. Last thing before we get to some of your some of your stuff, um, websites, things like that, offers maybe that you got. Um, uh, so you, we mentioned some of the pay per stuff, right? The Google, the Facebooks, that kind of thing. What do you guys do on the content marketing side of things? Do you guys do anything special, unique? Uh, we don't do a huge, so, um, we don't do a huge amount of content marketing. Um, you know, most of our advertising is really focused on, um, kind of a direct response, kind of a consumer. So we're not, um, although we have a great brand and I think are probably one of the most well-known real estate investing companies in the country in the investor world, uh, on the consumer side of things, we're really, um, a consumer has a need and a point of time they find us and they connect with us and then we connect them with a with a local real estate investor. So certainly we write articles and you know do you know uh, SEO on everything and kind of build um, out some content, but it's not a huge part of of our business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know one of the and and like I, I have a background in SEO, huge believer in SEO, uh, mm-hmm. and we definitely do a lot of it. But um, you know back when we first. Uh, kind of really got into this, there were a number of companies that came and commuted with us uh, that were that were selling leads and purely relied on SEO. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can kind of see where this is going. They, mm-hmm. they would undercut us on, on lead price because their cost of a lead was essentially free. Mm-hmm. And we kind of had this belief that um, the leads that come in through SEO are gravy. We love them because they're inexpensive relatively, uh, right. but we can't build the business around that. So we want it, we need it. Uh, we want to be out there, but we can't build the business around it. We have to build the business around paid traffic because that's what's sustainable. If we can't make it worth the work of paid traffic, we can never scale it. Um, uh, and so uh, we saw a number of companies go out of business because they couldn't, uh, as soon as um, Google made an algorithm change, their leads went from you know a thousand a month to zero or a thousand a month to 10. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't afford to go do paid search because they're char- they were charging their clients way too little money for that lead because they were getting it for free. So it kind of, you know, lucked into one of those seams where you can really exploit it and make a lot of money for a short period of time until the market or, you know, Google algorithms kind of catch up with what you're doing and you have to go um, pay for it. So, um, yeah, so we do, we do write articles and do some content marketing, but it's not a huge focus of our business. It's not a big part of what we do. We Mm -hmm. really focus on uh, paid search, lead generation, affiliate, affiliate marketing. uh, And, um, uh, and then, you know, working with our investors to help them grow their businesses. We run conferences and, you know, all that other kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But um, that's not the main focus of our business. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, not putting all your eggs in one basket. When I first got going on on the hitting website, which was back in 2008, it was very much, um, very much SEO oriented. It was email and SEO. And I got to a point where, and this is what I tell people, is I got to a point where I had about 3,500 stale um, emails where I would gain maybe a couple and then I'd lose a couple, gain a couple. Right. I just wouldn't go beyond the 3,500. And it wasn't until Facebook marketing, when I started paying to play that I went from the 3,500 to about 15 K and then it was 25 K and then it was 40 K. And then, you know, and so that paid advertising is huge. And I think people, it's a great p- uh, piece of advice is that you have a little bit of other, other channels that you're working. Um, you know, we're, we're, we do the SEO thing, but it is, you know, for a company that hasn't done anything, it could take four to six months for traffic. Um, mm-hmm. Now we do a, a little bit 
different of a thing, uh, the content on the content side where we, we blow up content into six different versions of it. And then we, we have a distribution network, like for 400 sites, news sites, you know, things like that. And so then you add that PR side of it. And what's cool about that is that you have, um, typically SEO is trying to stay in step with Google, right? And you mentioned those companies that all eggs in SEO basket, Google makes an algorithm change, boom, you know, they're, they're trying to keep up with Google, the SEO people, right? Um, but then you have the media on this side that Google tries to keep up with, right? So it's the, the media is the big thing, the third, the, the, the third party sites that people trust, know, like, and trust. Uh, and so then you got the media side. If, so if you got a little bit of both, you know, it's a little bit more sustainable on the, at least the Google side, at least being yeah. one, one piece, you know? Well, for sure. And I think, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, kind of the typical um, size of the business of your audience, but um, you know, when you're, when you're kind of very first starting out a solo, solo entrepreneur, um, you can't do everything because you just yeah. don't have the bandwidth to do everything. Right. right. So um, especially if you're a service provider, the basics of SEO, and it's, it's really not so much SEO as it is, uh, you know, making sure that your business name and address and phone number show up correctly in the, mm -hmm. in the directories and the Google directories and those types of things and starting to do that local um, uh, search optimization so that when you're somebody searching for a lawn care company or a painting company or kind of whatever your thing is at the local level that you really um, show up there, um, that's super important. Uh, mm -hmm. But then as you start to scale and get uh, to a little bit larger company, uh, making sure that you're advertising, uh, not just advertising, but you're doing marketing in all the different channels, because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I said, we've seen many times where companies put all their eggs in one basket, even Facebook recently, right? Or mm -hmm. Apple, yeah. right? Two major changes, companies that were making hundreds of millions of dollars saw massive hits to their revenue because Apple locked down the ability to get information on the, the person that was using the phone mm -hmm. and Facebook locked down localized advertising and made it much more difficult to target somebody. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I know companies that were making, you know, tens uh, tens of millions of dollars, uh, just, you know, basically drop shipping stuff off of Facebook and, mm -hmm. um, and that their businesses are in a you know real crisis as they figure out, you know, what's the new normal. Uh, mm -hmm. we had a system that was working amazing, but now because we can't target people as narrowly our cost of advertising doubles. And if our cost of advertising doubles, we can't afford to sell our product anymore because now we're, our margins gone. Mm -hmm. Um, so never getting too comfortable when you're kind of in the gravy train seam, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. awesome when you, when you find it and you find that niche and you can just kind of exploit it and keep it going, but never getting too comfortable with that because in an instant it could change, right? These are all privately held companies. These, these are all companies that can change their rules on a dime. And so I've always believed that in business, you've really got to have diversification in a lot of different areas and certainly in marketing. If all of your customers come through Facebook, go hire somebody to figure out, you know, paid mm. search and make sure that you're putting a bunch of money into SEO and content marketing and make sure that you're, you know, thinking about offline forms of advertising. Is there a way to make some of that uh, efficient for you so that if somebody changes something, it's not a hundred percent of your customer base. It's, you know, a much smaller percentage of it and gives you time to, to, um, get to, to retool in the real estate world. It's the equivalent of, you know, do you have one rental house or if it's vacant, it's killing you, <laughs> or do you have a hundred rental houses or a rental house and an apartment building and a commercial office space now, when I, any of them are vacant, you have some time and, and uh, cash flow from the other things to address the situation. Same is true in business for marketing. You've got to have diversity in your, in your sources of leads and your sources of traffic and customers. Right. I love it, Jeremy. Thank, I appreciate your time and, and your advice on this. And, I, and I'm sure there's some nuggets in there that, that will help other real estate companies and things like that that watch, watch this interview. Um, before, we, before I let you go, just talk a little bit about some of the websites, if they're um, you know, offers, um, you know, anything like how, where people can find you, just kind of the, the, the conclusion side. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm out on social media, Jeremy Brandt, um, uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that kind of stuff, Twitter. Um, you know, the main uh, companies that we have are webuyhouses.com, which is a real estate investing brand license, similar maybe to a franchise that some people have seen, but we're not quite as, as tight as a franchise is. Uh, where we help really experienced real estate investors grow their business with a national brand. Mm -hmm. um, the other uh, companies that are kind of sister companies are called 1-800-CASH-OFFER, uh, which you might see on national TV. We do most of our national TV advertising under the 1-800-CASH-OFFER brand, cashoffer.com, mm -hmm. uh, and Fast Home Offer. Uh, those are the lead generation business. Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't do branding for our clients. We sell leads on a paper lead basis. So if mm -hmm. an investor is in any city in the United States, uh, and wants to buy more houses, they can join our program. And for a flat price per lead fee, uh, they'll connect with motivated home sellers in their local market within one or two seconds of them contacting us. So we've spent a lot of time and money on software and building our platform. Uh, we built everything in-house uh, to handle lead management, lead routing, um, lead distribution. Uh, and um, like I said, I think we're probably one of the largest in the country that um, do leads for real estate investors, work with you know, all the major, major companies in the country, realtor.com, uh, those types of folks. Uh, and um, yeah, always happy to talk to people in real estate or talk to people kind of in the entrepreneurial world. I've started a number of different companies, sold some companies, and uh, it's just always fun to talk business. Very cool. Yeah. I was going to say this conversation kind of took a lot of different turns and stuff that, that I didn't expect, but it was good. I mean, we've got some marketing stuff, got some business stuff, got some real estate stuff. So re really appreciate your time, Jeremy, just stay on with me here as, um, as we, as we um, stop the, stop the recording here.